listening to Talking Law, the podcast where business owners just like you discover how to avoid legal landmines and build value using smart legal tips. Join your host, Joanna Oki, as she cuts through the legal jargon and gives you clear and simple actionable legal strategies, which will get you optimal business results. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to Talking Law, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have an episode for you that is very topical and current. It's all about tips in negotiating commercial leases under the new COVID mandatory code of conduct for commercial leases. And so this is particularly relevant right at the moment as the new mandatory code of conduct has now been legislated in each state and territory in Australia and tenants who are dealing with landlords who haven't yet provided rent relief might find some tips in this episode quite useful. We also in this episode cover tips for landlords as well. So this is really useful listening for both commercial tenants and landlords in order to understand how to deal with this new mandatory code of conduct for this COVID period. And in order to talk about this, we have on board one of our fabulous lawyers from Aspect Legal, Joe Wright. So without further ado, here we go. Hi, Joe. Welcome onto the show today. Hi, how are you? Great. I am fabulous. It's really good to have you on the show. So um, for our listeners, what we're doing today is we're just having a general discussion about negotiations under the mandatory code. What's the full name, Joe? You're the one who's more across this than I am. Yeah, so it's the National Cabinet Mandatory Code of Conduct and it relates to commercial leases. Yeah. And, and there's been, you know, generally speaking, a lot of information that has been related by numbers of law firms and and by accountants and, um, you know, through the media as a whole about the code itself. And in fact, the the lead up to the code and then we had the issue between the code coming out and then it being legislated in each state. So that was a bit of a hold up and and really has only properly come through in, I think it's like the last week or so. I think it was in New South Wales, was it the 12th of May, I think, when it was finally legislated? Yeah, yeah. Each state and territory has done that. Um, and it was only recently done. Yeah, but it's one thing to understand what the basis behind the code was. And we, of course, we all understand the issues facing businesses through this COVID period. But it's another thing to see how this is actually playing out in reality. So what I think we wanted to do today for our listeners is talk about what we're seeing at the moment in relation to the negotiations between landlords and tenants and sort of come back to what the rights are of tenants under this code and, you you know, give some tips where issues might be occurring. So very topical, right, for this time, I guess, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess it's also, it's about the rights for tenants, but it's also landlords as well. Mm. And I guess that's one thing is that this isn't the whole mandatory code of conduct is set up to establish a fair playing field and to sort of spread the risk and spread the impact across both the tenant and the landlord. Mm. So while tenants definitely have rights under this, there's also um, it's also not just a walk in the park for um, 
them and puts all the onus on landlords. Landlords um, do have rights as well under this and that's something that we can chat about in terms right. of what landlords need to um, look for in terms of their own protection. Great. Okay. All right. So let's maybe start with the good, the bad and the ugly. So um, let's talk about, you know, when it goes well, what have we seen? What have we seen in the more smooth cases that we've been a part of? Yeah. So I've seen some great outcomes where the landlord has taken the initiative and known that their tenants have pretty much had to um, suspend their operations. Mm -hmm. And there have been tenants that um, have been impacted by the shutdown early on where they they were either gyms or similar types of operations to gyms where they couldn't operate. So they had to close down Mm -hmm. and basically um, had no income coming in. So the tenants, the landlord took it upon themselves and offered a rent abatement for the month of April. And then that was to be offered on a month to month basis based on what was happening at the time. And I guess one thing to note is that this was put in place when at the beginning of the shutdown. And now that we're sort of coming out of that, then I think some of the initiatives put in place by landlords were put in place for a short term, for a month, and then let's see what's happening in a month's time and see what's reopening. So I've noticed that I've seen that those landlords that were a bit proactive in trying to help their tenants offered a rent abatement for the first month and then have offered it again for May. I guess we'll have to wait and see what is being offered for June, given that some businesses are reopening. But under the mandatory code, there needs to be a rent reduction proportionate to the decline in turnover. So there might have been, I guess we'll wait and see because the rent abatement was 100% rent, whereas moving forward, it might not be that if operations can start, but operations are slow in coming back. Well, and of course, where we're sitting right at the moment, so we're recording at the end of May, gyms still haven't opened. So um, that's an example of the type of business that's really coming right at the end of the businesses that have been allowed to start to open. And I guess one other note about that, about the good stories is that, um, and one of the things that underlines the whole mandatory code is that the negotiations are premised on the fact that it's a long-term relationship and it's about safeguarding that business and that that business relationship moving forward as opposed to a knee-jerk reaction of, well, you know, this tenant can't pay the rent, so I'm going to take more of a severe, um, I guess, measure. It's about recognising, well, this tenant's here for a long term and the tenant, I guess, the ones that I've seen, the landlord, because often the rent abatement, they've asked that, in return, the tenant makes a commitment to stay committed to that lease in yeah. the long term. Yeah. And I, I guess it is um, really an option because we, and, and perhaps what we'll do is we'll step out what some of the elements are that are covered by the code, but, but in general terms, generally it's about rent reduction either through deferrals or waivers. Mm-hmm. and or abatement but it's also about landlords not being able to kick out the tenants who haven't been paying so so there's there's sort of those two elements within what is certainly there's more in the code but that's sort of generally the two elements and we'll go through that in in a moment but I think the other thing to bear in mind here is exactly what you're talking about here in terms of the long-term commitment for both parties together it's about long you know a relationship together but it's also sometimes about whether or not their tenant will actually ever make it through. 
Mm. because, you know, there's a lot of businesses clearly at the moment who have potential solvency issues. And so landlords need to take the long-term view, not just for how are they setting up the relationship for the future, but are they creating a situation where their tenants are less likely to even make it through? So, I mean, that's a very serious side, but it's a very real side of where we are right now, I think, but, you know, particularly for organisations or businesses that have been forced into total shutdown. But certainly there's many other businesses that maybe aren't in total shutdown but still, you know, have been impacted heavily by COVID where they might also be facing some real solvency issues Mm -hmm. that, you know, that landlords need to take into account because we, I I guess, you, you know, you talked about the positives in reactions but we've also seen negatives. There's been a lot of landlords really dragging their feet um, so maybe if you can talk about what you've seen on that side as well, Joe. Yeah, I've seen landlords almost ignoring the fact that there's the um, the mandatory code in place yeah. and ignoring the fact that there are obligations on them to negotiate in good faith and to recognise the hardship that their tenants are experiencing. And I think some of it might be a bit of a fear base that will that's going to place a financial burden on them. Yeah, well, absolutely. And they don't want, you know, I guess they're trying to ride it out as far as they can in the hope that the tenant's business turns around (laughs) and the whole requirement falls away potentially. You know, maybe that's some part of the thinking. Exactly. And I have seen that in that almost there's been a delay in negotiations. Mm -hmm. And I guess maybe with the hope that we have taken a much shorter path in terms of the health side of this issue. And maybe that's given them hope to think, oh, well, I'll hold out and I won't negotiate anything because perhaps businesses will pick up and then this won't be an issue and I won't have to deal with it. And I have seen issues where it seems that there's been a bit of a verbal discussion and then no written agreements or the written agreement, the hurdles have come at the written agreement stage where then an agreement's been drafted and then it's been sent and then it's like, oh, that's not what we agreed to or no, I'm not signing this and this is not what we're offering. So I think that one tip is to perhaps um, for listeners to think about that even though it is there's the mandatory code and even though they've got the lease on foot, it is still necessary to have something and it can be very short to document what has been agreed between the landlord and the tenant to reflect this. And it's also, I think that landlords have been a bit hesitant and and maybe take for granted that tenants aren't as maybe legally savvy or as savvy across legislation to know what the changes are because there have been a lot of changes that have come in place yeah. in the last month or so yeah. with COVID that some landlords have reacted quite quickly when they've been prompted or reminded to review their obligations under the mandatory code and yeah. then they've come to the party. <laughs> yeah. So I think that they kind of sometimes just maybe try it on a little bit to see what they can get away with. Yeah, and and I guess that's sometimes the benefit. And, you you know, some of our clients have been able to negotiate these areas on their own, which is just great. You know, it's great if they can do that. But sometimes it just, it really does require the landlord's understanding that the tenants are taking this seriously and someone is looking at it who understands what the obligations are for the landlords and the rights of the tenant. Yeah, also there's nuances in terms of, well, what is the rent abatement or does that then extend my lease by the amount of time that yes. I'm the abatement for? And those kind of details that on the surface sounds great. Oh, I don't have to pay my rent for a month, but then what are the catches that come with it? And knowing, you know, what 
can and can't be negotiated is really helpful for our tenants. Yeah, and knowing what you don't have to agree to in order to exactly. get the abatements, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a really important one. So just really quickly, maybe if you can just quickly go through what is it that the code um, says? I guess we've talked about it in summary, but just really quickly if you can just talk about what it provides. Yeah, so there's a couple of overarching principles under the code and mostly it starts off that they both that it is designed to give a level playing field to say that there's a common interest between the landlord and the tenant working together to come to an outcome that is reasonable for both, that they are able to negotiate in good faith. So while it sets out the principles and sort of like a benchmark, then it is open to the parties to be able to negotiate differences under those principles as long as they negotiate in good faith. While there has to be an ability for the landlord to give rent relief. It also then, um, it has to be proportionate to the impact that COVID is having on the business. So there is an obligation on the business to be able to show or the tenant to be able to show the impact that COVID has had on their business. And that is, you know, they have to be an eligible business under the JobKeeper program. They have to be able to show their, the decline in the revenue that they've had. Um, so it's not just that every business during this period can get a rent relief, um, they need to actually show the impact that COVID's been having on their business. Yeah. Okay, wonderful. And so, and, and I guess there's also that other element, as we said, in relation to restraining the landlords from enforcing termination rights. Absolutely. So there is the ability that if they don't, they can't evict someone for not paying the rent during this period. Um, and there is also the ability for the for tenants to get relief in terms of land tax. If land tax is part of their outgoings under the commercial lease, then a landlord can apply for a land tax concession of up to 25% of the 2020 calendar year land tax debt or amount payable. And this is in New South Wales, but they have to pass that saving on to the tenant if it's mm-hmm. the tenant's responsibility to pay the land tax outgoings. And landlords can also apply for a three-month deferral on any outstanding land tax amounts. Great. Um, and that will also then be applied on to tenants. So what if landlords just aren't coming to the party? What, what rights do tenants have? Um, or what steps should they be taking? Well, um, initially they should be seeking legal advice in terms of setting out what the situation is. Um, I guess they need to understand if they meet all the criteria under the mandatory code in terms of meeting the eligibility under the JobKeeper program and suffering a decline in their revenue, then they need to be able to need to be seeking legal advice in terms of what their rights are and to be able to start from a negotiation point with the landlords. Yeah. And that's the first point that they should be doing and seeing, you know, if that prompt can then get the landlord coming to the party. Yep, absolutely. Okay. How about we give some tips here? Tips for well, I guess we just talked about tips for tenants. What about tips for landlords? Is there anything that they should be thinking about to protect their position? Yeah, absolutely. So for landlords, they need to be aware that, I guess, what their obligations are, but they also need to know that there is an eligibility criteria under the mandatory code. So not all tenants are eligible to seek these rent reliefs. And so if they do have a tenant that has not suffered under the COVID shutdown or hasn't suffered enough to be eligible for the JobKeeper program or doesn't meet the criteria, then they don't have to negotiate 
mitigate the rent waiver. Um, They don't have to pass on the savings that they're getting from the land tax. So that's something that they need to be mindful of, that it's not just a flat um, rule for all tenancies. Yeah, great. Okay. Uh, The other tip is that it relates to tenancies that were entered into before the the shutdown. So... um, that's something else to keep in mind that it doesn't also alleviate any breaches that may have happened before the shutdown as well. Mm, okay, all right. Which is, is an important thing to consider and, and perhaps it's also a consideration. You know, there's been a lot said in the media about uh, various organisations, large organisations, just simply telling the landlords that they're going to stop paying rent. But there is a requirement under the code for parties to act in good faith um, and, and there might, you know, I guess one of the tips for tenants is you might potentially be creating an issue for yourself if you are failing to pay rent. So you've just got to be careful about making those steps without fully considering what you might be creating as a situation for yourself. That's absolutely right. And the any relief is supposed to be proportionate to the um, the impact that they've had in their business. So they can't be seeking 100% rent reduction when they haven't had 100% shutdown, for example, and they also can't just stop paying rent and without negotiating and, you know, having that discussion with their landlord. And they also, like as we've said earlier in this conversation, that it is all about looking long-term and while something might seem like a win right now in the short term, then there will be flow-on effects for the long-term relationship if they want to stay on in that property or if they want to seek a rent renewal, then they need to have that in mind in terms of how, I guess, the negotiations go at this point. Yeah, but don't just take it lying down. You know, you you need to be proactive um, and you need to be quick. You know, landlords obviously um, have sort of, I guess, a reason for trying to move slowly. So as a tenant, you really, you know, you're within your rights to try and ensure that landlords aren't moving slowly. Exactly. They need to. And I guess that's where, you know, if the landlord's not going to pay in that discussion and and they can't physically, they can't afford to pay the rent, then they know that they are protected and can't be evicted by not paying the rent. Yeah, but just be careful before you take that step. (laughs) Yeah. You know, seek a bit of advice before going down that path. So one of the other elements that has come up recently in me thinking about this topic, we do a lot of business sale and acquisition here, has been what's the impact for buyers from your due diligence perspective as well now in looking at purchasing businesses or or shares in companies? I, I think there's all sorts of questions that now need to be looked at really closely in terms of the extent to which uh, tenants may have set up, so vendors may have set up rent deferrals or um, Mm. other elements that might impact what the original written lease says. So I think these are things, you know, if you're looking at buying a business, you really need to be aware of um, this is a risk for, for a while. So so I think there's some flow-on effects like that as well. Absolutely. I mean, you need to be, they need to, through that due diligence process, know that all the information in terms of any discussions or negotiations that have been had are provided to them and they're aware of, you know, any side agreements that have happened, whether they've been formulated, um, whether they've been formalised, you know, actual written agreement or letter or whether they've just been agreed through email negotiations and um, you know they need to know whether the tenancy that they're acquiring um, the responsibility for is going to actually extend yes uh, you know beyond what the written lease says absolutely Uh, or there's rent obligations 
you know, associated with that. So, yeah, definitely. Great. Okay. Well, look, I think we've um, given a really good overview of this today. There's obviously a lot to consider both for landlords and for tenants. Of course, if you're a bit confused about this area, then all you need to do is get in contact and Joe or any of our other fabulous legal eagles at Aspect Legal can help to assist you, whether you're sitting on the side of the landlord or side as the tenant. But look, Joe, I just want to say a massive thank you for coming onto the show today to chat about this very, very topical area. Thanks very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Talking Law, all about tips in negotiating commercial leases under the new COVID mandatory code of conduct. I really hope you found the information that Joe and I talked about today useful and relevant. And of course, if you'd like to get more details about what we talked about, then all you have to do is go over to our website at talkinglaw.com.au and click on this episode. There you'll be able to get a free download of the transcript if you're one of those people who really likes to uh, read things in finer detail. There you'll also be able to contact Joe Wright or our other legal eagles at Aspect Legal. If you have issues at the moment in relation to negotiating commercial leases in this COVID period and we can help you out. We act for both tenants and for landlords and we have a free initial discussion available available on our website. So once again, to get to that, all you have to do is go to talkinglaw.com.au or the website of Aspect Legal at www.aspectlegal.com.au and um, set yourself a calendar appointment for a free discussion. Well, that's it. Thank you so much for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and Talking Law, a podcast very proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Are you looking for a top quality legal team to assist you in your organisation? Aspect Legal is an innovative commercial legal practice that specialises in providing fast and professional services for their clients. If you'd like to chat about how we might be able to assist you, simply head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au to book in a time for a free discussion with one of our lawyers. Thanks for listening to Talking Law. Tune in next time for more smart legal tips and tricks to keep you clear of those legal landmines. If you want to get a download of today's show notes, head over to talkinglaw.com.au. Information in this podcast is general in nature, not legal advice. If you want advice for your business, visit talkinglaw.com.au. 